This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and uh, returning, it's him, Pete George. And before we get into the football and an awful lot of positives to talk about in terms of the, uh, the football, because we're recording this off the back of West Bromwich Albion's 4-2 win over Middlesbrough. But far more important than that, Pete, we've got to, we've got to discuss the burning issue, which is where in the world actually are you? In a little town... Northern Spain called Tapia da Casariega, I think, but probably not the pronounced like that. I was going to say that is that is a stunning Spanish accent you've got there, mate. Uh, Carlos Corbran would be proud of that. Yeah, I've uh, it's got some uh, work to be done on it. <laughs> I'm sure you will be fluent and speaking like a native by the time you return. But uh, yep, yeah, how, how's the how's the trip thus far, mate? Um, and uh, how are the uh, how how are the local beverages? Uh, it's been been good so far. Um, some beautiful drives through the mountains. Been very wet, however, so that's not been too much fun. But um, yeah, been really good so far. Just hopefully, hopefully the weather will improve a bit and uh, the who's going down quite nicely. I am stunned that you you're there complaining about the the, the weather in what should be sunny sunny Spain. Whilst uh, I I spent my afternoon at a scorching hot Hawthorns watching. A scorching hot West Bromwich Albion, uh, four two winners over over Middlesbrough. That's Albion scoring seven goals now in two home games. Albion have now been involved in sixteen goals in their opening four Championship fixtures. I mean, Pete, we've always packaged Carlos Corbran up as something of a controlled coach who likes to who likes to really manage games have a real real tactical plan i i, I you know i don't know whether he's um uh, wh- whether he's just had like a really relaxing holiday or, or whatever but it's fun and frolics with albion at the moment with the, with the division's entertainers aren't we definitely seems that way with the amount of goals we're scoring isn't i mean it's not like the games have been end-to-end or anything it's just that it seems like a lot of the stuff we're hitting is going in the net and i mean especially from set pieces we're just seem to really click or we do get a chance from. Uh, well, I have to say, Pete, I was going to bring this up. I mean, yet again, we I know you're not the biggest fan of shots on target as uh, as a measurement, but at, at some point we've kind of got to look at this and go there's no smoke without fire because that's that's four shots on target again today and four goals. I mean, our conversion rate is absolutely frightening. I think I, I think that's we've we've only had two shots on target in the championship this season that we've not scored from. I mean, it, it's it's a crazy turnaround because we sat 
here. In fact, I'm sat on my sofa recording today. It's not going to bore everyone, but normally I I, I sit in the kitchen um, at the at the breakfast bar. I'm sat in my on my sofa, and it's kind of it, it, it's interesting because the last time I sat here to record an Albion analysis with you was uh, was was after the Sheffield United game. I remember that because I just I just turned it off on the TV and uh, and I sat down on my sofa and got my laptop out. And the reason that that's sort of sparking a memory with me is because we sat that night and I had in front of me the numbers for how much our players were underscoring their XG. And we basically went through them and we and we effectively said Albion should be should have scored 11 goals more than than they had over the course of last season. Well, we're now in a situation where that's absolutely turned about on itself. Our XG today. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but the the XG I've pulled out is we had an XG of 0.62 and we've scored four goals. We've had four shots on target. They've all gone in the back of the net. We have had two shots on target in the league this season that haven't gone in the goal. I mean, it's an absolutely stunning turnaround. It's... It, 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 I mean, it's a level of efficiency that I suppose if you were, if you're going to look at the downside, you would say surely to goodness can't can't continue. A bit of natural variance kicks in at some point, and 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 Albion can't continue to be this clinical, especially as they haven't we haven't got an out and out clinical striker. But at, at this moment in time, Pete, it's just it's hugely impressive i think is the only word i can use to describe it I, you know it's it's freakish i can't see it continuing but to score as many goals from as few shots as we are is is unbelievable yeah and i mean i think the xg should probably be higher um if you look at the actual chances i mean just thomas santi's goal it was it basically put the keeper was nowhere to be seen that's just the issue with some of those some of those models that it doesn't take into consideration the keeper's position so he was basically putting it into an empty net, so I think that should have been a lot higher, and, and probably even the Kipre shot. The post shot expected goals would be a lot higher, is what you're saying? Yeah, but also the actual XG should probably be higher than it is listed as, just because it probably doesn't take into consideration where the goalkeeper is. Even if you take a shot from 20 yards out, if the goalkeeper's not even close to the net, then it should be higher than it. It's just because of where you're taking the shot from. Fair play, fair play. I mean, it, but it, non, nonetheless, though, Pete, it's uh, it's still incredibly clinical to be scoring from practically every shot on target that you, that you have. And I, I know, I know, you often say to me, "Well, you know, shots is more is is better data than shots on target." But we're getting to a point now where every time Albion hit the target, you're actually expecting them to score. Yeah. Um, the thing is, with like Swiss chances, it's probably a perfect chance for him to be able to kind of drive into that space and then shoot from just outside the box or just inside the box. Um, it's the kind of chance that he'd probably dream of. And if you can create chances like that for him, then it, it's it's much better than creating that for someone like, I don't know, Jason Molumbi. So it's, um yeah, obviously different chances suit different players. But um, yeah, we've, we've been extremely clinical. And so we've had a couple of season where seasons where we haven't been we've been on the opposite end of the spectrum so it's quite nice for it to to be in our favour at the minute. I felt we mixed it up a lot more today as well Pete. Um, I, I felt like against Middlesbrough as opposed to against Swansea Swansea, we, we, we effectively said after the game that we only really created from set pieces, we were good from them and we, we certainly made the most of them and we made it a set piece game I didn't, re- I didn't feel that was necessarily the case today i mean we've obviously scored the first goal from uh, from a set play but then we have we we've obviously scored the second one which is a brilliant goal from swift from uh, from open play where he's driven forward um we've uh, we we've created um the the third one from pressing and i mean okay they've had a mare but you've got to see the positives from our side and then uh, and then the fourth one again you know sarmiento just won't give that ball up battles wins it back and and then there's some very calm play uh, particularly from moat to play a lovely ball through to him and an excellent finish i felt like there was uh, one of my one of my big concerns about albion uh, over the opening few weeks of the season particularly after the swansea and leeds games were was if teams become a bit more clever at defending our set plays, what 
does that mean for Albion's attacking threat? I felt like we had that answer a bit today. It was it, it was much more varied. It was there was there, there was much greater threats all over the pitch, and we'll come to talk about the, the specifics of them in, in a moment. But just generally speaking, I, I thought it was a really positive performance because we weren't as one dimensional as we were, particularly against Swansea. Yeah, of course. Um can't rely on set pieces to score goals, so it's nice to, to get some from open play as well as getting a set piece one as well. Um so there's probably a bit more positives from that rather than just relying on those corners and, and long throws. But um again the the long throw proved to, to be a weapon. Um gonna be interesting to see if we can keep that when the ball starts to get wet in the winter and, and you're not allowed towels anymore. But and we um, kept the ball yeah. alive again, Pete. You, you know, I mean, it's, it's not it's not the first contact that that, that we win on that. Uh, it's we don't score from the first contact on that on that throw in. I thought again, it's something that we weren't doing last season. And I have to give. Uh, I'm going to eat a lot of humble pie today on Cedric Kipre because we're going to talk about him in a bit more depth later. But I thought the way Kipre backed off and chested that down was so cool, calm and collected. How how that's a centre half doing that is beyond me. Well, that's why he's getting in the team I guess is because he is good with the ball at his feet and can control the ball rather than just being a what you'd consider a tr- traditional centre half that's just you know booting the ball clear and heading it clear he can, he's got a good touch and he is calm with the ball sometimes a bit too calm when he's got it in our own box but um, yeah it was, it was a brilliant goal for him Let's just talk about Swift's goal for a, for a moment that reverse finish Pete that I mean, that's that's disgusting, isn't it? It's it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the run is is superb, but he he does Dieng because what ninety nine players out of a hundred in that position curl for the far post, and he reverses it into the top corner. It's 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 disgusting, as I say. I think he did the defenders as well, especially with Brandon Thomas Sante running across them, and that pulled a couple of them out. And then I think they're all expecting him to go into the far corner, and and then just to. To kind of cut it into that near post was, yeah, it was a great goal. I want to, I do want to talk about the the overall performances and and some of some of the individual aspects of it. And I think it's important to make make this point here and now, Pete, because I know a lot of people looked at the team sheet and went, "Oh, he's gone with the same team that that played against Leeds." So, and it was a very. It, we're not going to make any bones about it. It was a defensive performance against Leeds. It was a backs to the wall performance. We didn't offer a great deal going forward. We scored a scrappy goal, um, and probably the only other real threat that we that we offered in the in the game, other than a few crosses into the box from from Matt Phillips, was was the Wallace shot, which led to led to the couple of corners, which ultimately led to the goal. But the same personnel and the same formation does not mean the same setup it does not mean the same tactics and it does it, it doesn't mean the same game plan and i think corbran i would like to think he sh- he should have earned the right by now with with supporters that they they we should realize that he has a tactical plan and a different tactical plan for every opposition and even with, with the same opposition he will uh, sorry he even with the same personnel he will play them in a different fashion, and he's played the same formation effectively. I mean, if you're if you if you're literally writing it down on a piece of paper, uh, you you know you call it the same formation, even though where players are, their average positions change. And he has used exactly the same personnel as against Leeds, but he has turned out a completely different performance, a much more attacking a much more energetic performance, a, a performance which had a great deal of freedom. We're going to spend a good amount of time today talking about um, Matt Phillips's performance. And you look at his average position, wow, is it so much higher than it was against Leeds United. I think we need to get out of this mindset that the same players and the same shape means the same performance and the same tactics don't we players like Matt Phillips he can play anywhere and play different roles even in this the same position so I think he's really adapted to the left wing spot well left wing back spot but generally a lot higher than the the opposite side um for Furlong who's who's playing a bit deeper um but yeah we're going to play different in different kind of styles against different opposition um I think you'd be foolish to, to play the same against every team 
in every game of the league. So um, yeah, it's going. We're going to be adaptable. Well, let's let's hover on Matt Phillips for a moment because Pete. I mean, I've seen I've seen the Albion have put their vote up for man of the match, and I've I, I voted on on Twitter, and I, I so I know that Matt Phillips was comfortably winning when when I saw it. I thought he was absolutely brilliant today, and not for the first time this season. I don't think he's had a bad game yet this season. He's played multiple positions, and today he was the only word I can use to describe him is marauding. He was absolutely phenomenal. In the, I mean, his average position is was so high, so high. It's interesting because I think Furlong needs a little bit of credit here because I think Furlong gave him the freedom to play as high as he did because Furlong was quite disciplined with his average position. He was much deeper. But Matt Phillips was so high. He was such a threat. Um, yeah, he had a few problems dealing with Silvera defensively. The the first goal comes from the fact that Matty does get a little bit turned inside out. But as an attacking threat, I just thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I thought everything went through him. And I just feel like since Carlos Corbran walked through the door, we're seeing the best of Matt Phillips I mean, in practically every game he's played for Carlos Corbran, I honestly, I can't think of a bad game Matt Phillips has had for Carlos Corbran. It's, I mean, Matt Phillips has always been a good player. The problem with Matt Phillips has been getting him on the pitch a lot of the time. But there's being good and then there's being what he's what he's been under Carlos Corbran. And uh, the, the effect that Carlos has had on Matty Phillips is nothing short of, amazing it's just uh, uh, it's almost like they're a match made in heaven aren't they Pete yeah and it's not that different to how he was playing when he when Corbran first took over and Phillips was actually playing as a winger that he was playing on that last line and making runs in behind and and actually playing quite wide for a left winger that's right footed um, and it, I think it suits Swift as well to have somebody out on the left wing that's going to go going to overlap um, and stop Swift from drifting into into like left wing positions when he's playing as as that left forward, um, because he does like to drift out wide. And if you got someone like Townsend who, who likes to go around and kind of inside and run onto the balls that are played in between in between the fullback and the the centre back and come inside a bit more, then it might encourage Swift to go to drift a bit further out wide, which is not really where we want him. We want him more central and where he can impact the game a bit more. So. Well, you look at their average position, Pete, and Swift and Jed are almost like Swift is like a left 10 and Jed is almost like a right 10. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that kind of 3-4-3 three, three formation. But I mean, if you look at the, the wing backs, then I imagine Phillips is almost part of the front, almost part of that front three, making it a front four. And then Furlong's it, probably... His his average touch position, Pete, was uh, was basically as high as John Swift's. Um, whereas Furlong's average touch position was in his own half. Yeah, which is where it, you know, it starts off as a back five, but in possession it can kind of move into a into more of a four with Peters moving over to the to the left back spot, and then you've got the two centre backs, and then Furlong on the right. So I suppose that's where you talk about the shape changing in the game, and depending on who you who you play as well. So um, it's all variable between when you got the ball and when you have it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The other thing I like about Matt Phillips, Pete, is is his football intelligence as well because he see, he doesn't seem to waste a ball. He, I mean, he has he had a ninety percent 
pass accuracy today, which for a player who plays wide and is delivering balls into the box is really quite something quite special. I mean, we'll talk generally about Albion's pass accuracy today because it's it's something staggering, really. But it's just his general game intelligence. He uses the ball so well. And I thought that was no better encapsulated than with the sending off because Phillips gets tugged back by uh, the the uh, the Borough player. He knows the Borough player is on the on a booking. However, Phillips has got beyond the Middlesbrough player and could easily take the ball and continue running, in which case the referee opens his arms and he says, play on. But Matt Phillips knows the guy's on a yellow. And what does he do? He stands still and he throws his arms in the air. The guy picks up a second yellow and the game certainly should in that moment, be all over. This is West Bromwich Albion, so it wasn't. We made it far more difficult than we needed to. But it's just little things like that where people will say getting players sent off is not in the spirit of the game. That, for me, I've always said this, is a very English attitude. Um, It's part of what I think has held England back in in major tournaments that we we don't we don't play for fouls we don't we don't throw ourselves around etc etc. I think it is a part of the game. I think a lot of people will do it. A lot of people will will go to ground in those situations. They will ask for cards. It's the entire reason that they've had to bring in a rule that waving around an imaginary card is a booking. And I just think that little moment there it. So it buys West Bromwich Albion a man advantage, which is enormous in football, absolutely enormous. And in professional football, it it just helps you win the game. And I don't think a lot of players have that level of level of intelligence. Yeah, but whether the referee has to stop the play there and then or, or let it continue, it should be a book in either way. So... I don't think it's. But you know, other. a lot of refs wouldn't wouldn't probably go back for a, for a, for a little pullback and book him. They probably they might if it was a scything challenge in the middle of the park. But a lot of refs for a little shirt tug wouldn't go back if the player carried on. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's just that it shouldn't be that way. It should be that they should go back and it should be the second yellow and, and it given. But yeah, it's really intelligent to to kind of make the referee stop the play there and then and, and make the decision. Um, yeah, like you say, it should have been a lot easier from then on out um, with the extra man. But um, I think we kind of sat back a little bit and, and maybe didn't. We controlled the game, but maybe kind of got a little bit complacent. Um, I think, well, you should have to look at the number of shots we took in the second half. And I think it was only two and we scored from both of them. So that tells you a lot well, that's about it. how we want to control the game and not give up possession cheaply. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's And that's, that's a big, big thing because... As you, as you say, Pete. I mean, we'll come on to talk about after uh, after the sending off, and we did. We I don't think we dealt with the game particularly well. In fact, I don't think Corbrand thinks that. I've heard his post match interview, and uh, and he doesn't seem to. But up to that point, up to the up to the point, of the sending off, we just we just dominated that game. And there's there's a couple of factors for that uh, in that for me. And we've talked about Phillips. I thought he was absolutely massive for us, but. A very close second in the in the ranks of who wins man of the match for me would be John Swift, who I thought was tremendous. And it's not just because of his goal. I actually thought both tens had had a good game. I thought Wallace is learning that position. I still think it's a struggle for him. I don't think he's quite he's quite there yet. He knows how to I don't think he quite knows how to make the most of the space. But I think he drives us forward with his energy and I think he sets the tempo and it doesn't surprise me that the tempo dropped off massively when when Jed Wallace went off the pitch because I think people are talking about whether or not he warrants the armband. I think he demands a level of performance, a level of energy out of his colleagues when he's on the pitch and I think that's a very captain trait. Um, so I don't question his it, 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 him deserving the armband at all. Uh, yes, he's not playing his best football at the moment. I admit that, but I think the energy and the 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 standards he sets for other people. When I was at West Bromwich Albion, I, I remember when we sold Shane Long, people around the club saying to me, "This is a bigger loss than people will ever realise," because Shane Shane set the tempo. He set the tempo in training and he set the tempo in games with his energy. He set standards for other players, and even if he wasn't having a great game that was it he you know the other players had to live up to those levels and i think that's true of jed wallace john swift on the other hand was just 
nothing short of finesse and class and quality today. It was exemplified in, in his goal, but I felt everything he did just oozed quality, Pete. Yeah, John Swift was brilliant um, and probably benefits from having Phillips next to him, kind of Peters in behind us, that that's the side that we're going to make more of our attacks go down. I think on the right-hand side with Wallace, it's we're going to be a bit more direct down that side and less kind of intricate moves and just trying to get into the space and maybe balls into the box. So probably doesn't benefit Wallace either having playing on that right-hand side. But when Swift's playing as well as he did um, against Middlesbrough, then you can kind of accept that and use Wallace for more of the what he's going to bring defensively and his energy and his leadership as well. So despite not maybe impacting the game with a ball, I think he's still a good player to have playing there. Do you think he set standards for other players, Pete? Do you think there's something in that? Yeah, definitely. And so does um, Alex Palmer. I don't know if you saw it, watching it from in the ground, but watching it on, on the WBA TV, there was a couple of times where Middlesbrough kind of broke through in the second half and, and got shots off. And um, both times Palmer came out screaming at, um, I think it was, it might have been both times at Malumbi, um and just kind of, yeah, just demanding more and, and setting the standards in that way. So he seems to be a good good characters to have in goal as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved what Joe, uh, I, I, I don't know whether, Pete, on your travels, you've had a chance to listen to the the episode with, with Joe Chapman, but I love what he, what Joe said about him, that, that he just, he just, he's always wanted to be West Bromwich Albion number one. And when Luton came knocking for him, his response was, I'm not prepared to give up, give up on what was my dream. I've waited a long time to be West Bromwich Albion number one, and I'm not going anywhere. And I think that comes through in the way he performs on the pitch. No, I've not listened to it yet, but I, I definitely will. And yeah, it, I mean, it certainly does. When you've got a Premier League team that comes knocking, you you kind of accept that your player might want to go to them when you're in the Championship. So for him to, to say that and basically turn it down is, is yeah, big credit to him. And yeah, you can see him having the, the number one shirt for, for quite a while at the Albion, if, if that's his attitude as well, because he's definitely got the ability. Let's hope so. Let's certainly hope so. Moving to the other end of the pitch, Pete, and let's let, let's talk about, the three centre halves. I'm I'm going to talk about them a little bit collectively here, but um, I mean, I am I, I will single out Kipre for for some praise because I, look, I I need to I need to admit that I was highly premature in judging him because I, look, he was not a player that after seeing him in preseason, I wanted anywhere near the first team. I made that very very clear, and after Blackburn, I made that even clearer. Um, I was nothing short of scathing in in my assessment of him. If he keeps performing like this, I'm going to have to admit I was I got him all sorts of wrong because I thought he was phenomenal today. As I say, the way he took the ball down for the goal and, and smashed it in was absolutely brilliant. But on top of that, Pete, a big part of what Corbran wants to do is playing out from the back. And I've just got some numbers here. The pass accuracy for Albion's three centre-halves. Kipre, 94.7%. Peters, 94.3%. Ajayi, 93.7%. And Ajayi also completed 13 out of 15 what are considered to be long balls. That, again, is staggering. I thought Ajayi was fantastic as well. I thought Peters had a little bit more trouble than probably the rest of them, but that's because he didn't get the support from his wing back that the other... that. Um, that the right-sided players were getting from Furlong, and I thought uh, I thought Silvera gave Peters a bit of trouble for, uh, from that point of view. But the way we played out from the back, and the way we got out from the back, and therefore the way the reason for me that we were able to create more in open play than we have probably all season was because of the quality on the ball of those three players. And I just uh, it must it must be what's going on in training. It must be down to Corbran. Because that that level, that quality is not what we've seen all season. But today, it just felt like what is being done on the training pitch was starting to pay off. And it's it's interesting because it's very easy as an Albion fan to look at say say Kipre having a nightmare on the opening day and go, We need to buy another centre-half because we we haven't got any good ones or we haven't got enough good ones. Corbran is obviously looking at it from the point of view of I need to improve aspects of Kipre's game and I can work with him. And, you know, I, 
that that is that's what the great coaches do. I'm not saying Carlos Corbran is Pep Guardiola before I say this, but Pep Guardiola consistently buys for Manchester City players that aren't the finish art, finished article. Jack Grealish is a perfect example of that. And they take a little bit of time, but he works and he works and he works with them on the training field and he puts so much information into them and he improves them. And what I'm seeing with Peters and Ajay and Kipre is a game-by-game improvement. And I think what we have to look at with Albion players under Corbran, before we start saying we give up on this player because and we need to go into the transfer market and spend money and uh, that we don't have and bring in replacements we need to say actually is the raw are the raw materials there because if the raw materials are there for Corbrand to work with i think he'll end up getting the best out of most players yeah and i think it's it's not only about actually the players being able to pass the ball better it's about having teammates there as options and kind of everyone knowing what's going on and being ready for, for that move. Um, like Kipre's obviously got a lot of ability on the ball, but just having um, Malumbi shown for it and, and wanting it and creating that option of a pass, it makes it a lot easier for him. And the same for the other centre-backs as well. I mean, I think Kipre only misplaced about, I think it was five passes and two of them were, were kind of like long switches towards um, towards Phillips. So obviously difficult passes. So the, I mean, the, the shorter and the easier ones he was doing a lot better and I think that's actually something that you um, criticised him for before having a low completion for his short passes so having the teammates there and, and actually offering for the ball is kind of as important as just having the actual ability to, to pass the ball so if everyone wants it and is confident on it and is asking for it then it makes it a lot easier for them and, and a lot easier for everyone else so it's almost getting the confidence into the two midfielders to, to receive it in, in maybe more difficult areas and they were used to before Corbran came in. What I'm hearing there, Pete, is that you're saying that um, Kipre listens to the pod and I spurred him on. Yeah, I think that's basically what I was hinting at. <laughs> that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I'm hearing. I, but I have to say, as we're all joking aside, he, he has improved immeasurably. But Ajayi as well. I mean, I talk about that stat. Uh, 15 long balls, I think it was, 13 completed. And some of them were unbelievable. There was one in the, in the first half where he's played an unbelievable switch over the top. Matt Phillips, by the way, made a phenomenal crossfield run. And he's picked the ball up on the run and he smashed a shot back across goal. And it's gone just wide of the wide the far post. I mean, some of some of Ajayi's passing today was I mean, it was mind blowing, wasn't it? Yeah, he played about seven of those switches across to Phillips and I think they they were all accurate. A lot of the the long stuff that he didn't complete was the actual crosses into the box when um Burrow went a man down and there was space for him to drive forward up the wing as well. Um so again he was very good and I think he had twelve progressive passes compared to Kipre's three so he was obviously really important for moving the ball forward as well. Um yeah he, he's someone that before I probably wouldn't say I was too comfortable with him actually playing the ball out from the back but seems to have improved a lot from there. Should this be the system? Going forward, Pete. I mean, as as I say, Corbran, the formation wise, even if the formation remains the same, he is probably going to tweak it game by game. And I know he said a lot in in recent weeks about because it one of he spoke about potentially loaning out Caleb Taylor, and he said one of the reasons is he wants his players to be able to switch between a five and a four in game or game by game. And he's not sure Caleb is old enough or mature enough to do that at this moment in time. But do you see the the the, the five the three centre halves being probably the predominant formation f- for this season? We know Corbran will never ever stay with one formation because he's just he's not that he's not that kind of coach. He ain't Steve Bruce. He ain't Valerian Ishmael. Um, he is going to change the formation in different games. But do you do you see it probably being the one he uses the most at the minute? I think yeah. Um, Kipre definitely seems to be more suited to playing. In the back three, Peters is just more suited to playing in a defensive formation. Well, more the possession side of it, where he can drift out to the fullback kind of area. Um, and he's been doing that with the back three. Last season, he, he did it with, in a back four, so that's more down to the to the little details. Um, and Ajay, again, he seems to be more comfortable covering kind of the, the space in behind out wide, where he can show his pace and 
and also get forward and support Furlong and, and Wallace when we've got the ball. So I think at the minute we'll probably stick with the back three. Um, it's not what I expected going into the season, but it seems to be working at the minute, so you can't really argue with it. And it seems to be getting the best out of the, the centre-halves that, that we've got, which I think is really, really important because everything everything I've heard and Joe spoke about this on the on the transfer pod is that we, we don't really expect Albion even if Bartley does go to necessarily go shopping for a, for another centre half, I mean, you know, Joe basically said that, um, that that's not that's not really a position that he he sees Albion going into the market for. So it'll be interesting between now and the end of the window. But it's it's really really promising that those players are playing as well as they are. Um, bef- we will finish on some positives. So I want to d- just dip into the one negative. Uh, now Pete and that is and it's a bit of a running trend across across a couple of uh, across two games that um that, that we have got ourselves into very very strong positions where we're highly in control of uh, of football matches in two home games now and on both occasions nearly let the opposition in uh Swansea was more of a nearly than than Middlesbrough was but nonetheless I mean we we let 10 men cause us a lot of problems really uh, you know at 3-1 we were cruising and it was interesting to to hear Corbrand's comments about this he was he was asked about it on on radio wm as i was driving home and he he, he was asked the reasons why we were letting teams back in and he said they're threefold he said first of all i feel like my players are relaxing too much and they can't relax to that level he said we sat in too deep and he also said we don't defend our box well enough now I found that very interesting. I, I, as I say, I attached the first one, the relaxing too much. I do think that's got partly got to do with um, with Wallace going off, and I don't think that helps us because I do think he sets the tempo to a certain degree. I don't really understand why we're dropping too deep when you look at the personnel on the pitch. There's there was plenty of attacking talent out there. And I don't understand why we suddenly start defending our box poorly as well, especially when for an hour we've done that pretty well. But but it seems like it it seems like in both games there's a trigger on like seventy minutes where we suddenly start defending our box in a really poor fashion. So I don't. It's obviously a puzzle for Carlos Corbran to figure out, and that's on him as the coach. But people will ne- inevitably blame him making quite a few substitutions for the drop-offs in both games. Do you see it as as simple as that? Or is there a bit of a mentality issue with, with our players when we get into a strong winning position? Because that seems to be the suggestion from Corbran that mentally we we drop deep, we get too relaxed and we switch off in our own penalty area. I, I think it's more a mental issue than a tactical one. What do you think? Well, I think we're definitely trying to control the game in that second half, I already mentioned that we we only took two shots in that entire half, and we scored from both of them. Um, so we're definitely trying to keep the ball and control it in that way. But I think even when you do lose the ball, you still got to have the intensity to to go up the pitch and and win it high up rather than just sitting back. I think the substitutions maybe didn't help. I thought Mo was very good when he came on. He was very calm on the ball and and just kept us ticking and got us out of some tight situations when Middlesbrough were pressing us. But Samiento, despite him being very exciting and really fun to watch maybe didn't help us because he's so direct and always wants to drive forward and loses the ball quite regularly so when you're trying to control the game and just keep the ball it's turning over the ball that cheaply is probably not particularly desirable but so it probably didn't help us obviously he got the goal in the end and he was very exciting and and is good to watch but maybe wasn't the right player for that kind of situation no but he's fun though any pete yeah obviously really fun um and i think the more we see him the the more confident he's going to get and the more exciting he's going to be to watch. So um can't really complain about that. It's just, you know, when you, you're 4-2 up you, or 3-1 three, three up, you don't want to risk losing the game, really. Um And I don't think it, it's obviously not all down to him, but I think gifting the, the ball away to, to Middles for a few times probably didn't help us. No, no, and that was that that was a bit of an iffy one, wasn't it? I, I remember that. I mean, that was when Isaiah Jones hit the post, wasn't it? He lost the ball on uh, on uh, like about twenty twenty five yards from from our goal. Do you think that that I I, a lot, uh, I really like Jeremy Sarmiento and all the things that Catherine said on on the pod about him seem to be 
extremely true. He looks such an impressive player and he's he's just got skills for days. He the the way he's tall, he's strong and yet he he beats players. He's got a little bit of aggression as well that you can see that the way he thumped into uh, Isaiah Jones after after he didn't get a free kick that he felt he deserved and uh, there's just uh, and his finish for the goal is brilliant as well. He's direct. He's going to get Albion fans off their seats. He's the sort of player that fans are. They they always say, don't they, Pete? Never fall in love with lone players. You can see Albion fans are going to fall in love with with Jeremy Sarmiento. All of that being said, is the fact that he is a little bit raw and is going to probably take at times unnecessary risks. Probably why for at least the time being he's he's better deployed as an impact player off the bench. Yeah, but he did look a lot better defensively today um, than he did, especially in that first game of the season against against Blackburn, where he looked kind of very tired when he when he had to do the defensive work and didn't look like he'd got as much energy as when he was driving forward. But today he looked against Middlesbrough, he looked a lot like he had a lot more side to win the ball back and be part of the part of the press when we were trying to get the ball back. So there's positives to take there, and it, you can see the improvements already. So I don't think it will be long until he actually does break into the, the starting eleven of the side. The other sub, Maja, what did you, what did you think? I, the, I mean, the, there is one, there's one touch that I, I I really hope the Albion guys clip it up because it was it was a ball punted about thirty yards up in the air, and he's in the penalty area, and he just brought it out the sky and turned away from a couple of Middlesbrough defenders. I mean, it was phenomenal skill. I'm not going to take that one touch, but but just generally, we've only seen cameos of him up to this point, but I like what I've seen. Uh, you know, the, the proof of the pudding with Josh Mazur will always be, can he score goals? Can he score enough goals? Can he, uh, can he be a threat? Can he put the ball in the back of the back of the net? That's he's a centre forward. He's always going to ultimately be judged on that. But in terms of what I've seen of, of him late in games, with his back to a goal, with his technical ability, with with some of the little movements that he makes, I, I'm excited, Pete. I don't know about you. I think he did quite well today. Um, but again, the issue is probably that we've only seen cameos of him. He's not had a chance to to start or or play enough minutes to really get into the games. I think. Brandon's looking a lot sharper than him at the minute with just his touches and being able to control it with men on his back with when the ball's fizzed into him from the centre backs. But I thought he looked good. Um and if he can get a few more minutes then, you know, he's likely to sharpen up a bit more and, and probably be a bit closer to the player he was for the last couple of seasons. So um it's promising signs from him. I can't see Brandon Thomas Sante losing his place at the minute. Pete, it hasn't passed me by that that's Seven points in August, which means that um, you have you, you've won that particular leg of our preseason predictions. I predicted four points. You predicted seven. So you've got it absolutely on the nose. Although having said that, Darnell Furlong is making it uh, uh, doing his absolute best to make sure that I win the disciplinary points uh, prediction and, and that it becomes one one from that point of view. But um, all joking aside, seven points from four Really, really tough games. Blackburn away, Swansea at home, uh, Leeds away, and Middlesbrough at home. I mean, that's some start, isn't it? And and we're scoring goals as well, and 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 we're looking good at home. Okay, the away form is still iffy at best, and we I think we really, really need to get that monkey off our back as soon as possible, and and get a win on the board away from home because it it you know it's starting to become. I, I would imagine it'll start to become a bit of a sort of stigma thing uh, where where Albion players will go out onto the pitch away from home, very mindful of the fact that they don't win a lot of away games. But just as a start to the season, especially given everything that's gone on around the club, all the, the financial mess, all the uncertainty over players' futures, um, the fact that players have had to leave, the fact that we've had players getting pulled out of pre-season friendlies on on the eve of them thinking that they that they're going the fact that we've only been able to bring two players in and that and that we are you know what we looked a threadbare squad at the end of last season we're already we're, we're two players lighter on on the overall squad than we were at the end of last season all of that accounted for 
to take seven points from the opening four games, given who we've played, I think is phenomenal, don't you? Yes, yeah, a really good start. Obviously, Leeds, Middlesbrough, and well, in fact, all four sides have been we're never going to be the easiest of opponents. So, seven points from it's it's really good. Um, I think I saw that Corbyn's since Corbyn was appointed, he's we've picked up the most points in our home games of any team in the championship. So that just points to how well that we've actually been able to, to perform at the Hawthorns. Um, like you say, it's it's the away games that are gonna gonna make or break the season. Um, but yeah, so far it's it's positive, especially with all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Um, Corbyn seems to well definitely has done a fantastic job, and um, from what you read, he seems to be very focused and and very just kind of dialed in into the task that he's got at hand, even though it's it's never going to be the easiest of ones. To finish off, Pete, uh, and it's probably probably beneficial that you haven't uh, haven't listened to, uh, to to Joe's pod yet because because you can't be you can't be influenced by it. So um, there's no point me giving my take on this because people had over over an hour of uh, of my take and opinions on uh, on transfers uh, drop on Friday. There's a few days left of the window. What business do you think? we need to do um and you know uh, what i suppose partly it depends on who who goes out but i mean assuming that the only players who go out are ones that are not massively involved i mean the ones linked at the moment are um uh, bartley we'll ignore griffiths we know it's a given if griffiths goes we need another goalkeeper we all we all know that um but it, we don't need a first choice goalkeeper we'd need a number 2 it's really Moa and Bartley are the sort of key rumours. Obviously, there's always a possibility, given that Chalaber nearly went to to Israel earlier in uh, earlier in the window, that he could he could go as well. But they're the key ones. I mean, obviously, if if first team players, and I think we've got to accept, as Joe said on that pod, that pretty much everybody's up for sale at this point. And if first team players go out, then we've got to replace them with first team players. But Working on the very, very presumptuous assumption that no first team players depart and the only ones to go are potentially a second choice goalkeeper, a, a reserve centre half and maybe a reserve central midfielder. What do you think Albion need to do in the rest of this window? Fullback's probably the, the biggest issue at the minute, um, more in terms of cover than actual competition for, for starting positions. Well, not um, least because because Furlong's only two bookings away from a suspension, despite the fact that we're only four games into the season. Yeah, that didn't take long, did it? Um, I guess you were quite accurate on that front. Um, but yeah, we're going to need a bit of cover there. I don't know whether Phillips could be seen as, as right wing back cover as well as left wing back, but I think at least one one in there. Potentially another central midfielder. Um, again, it, it maybe does depend on whether either Chalibur or, or Moat go out, but I think I would like to see one more come in and then probably I think well centre backs I think it's an interesting one um, I know you mentioned earlier that we're not particularly looking at any but especially if Taylor goes out on loan then um, we're going to be quite short for cover if we're going to continue if Taylor and three. Bartley go we've probably got to haven't we because we, we we simply haven't got anyone beyond the, the starters really exactly and when, when you're playing three centre backs at a time then it doesn't leave you much room to pick up any injuries so I think that's one there and then potentially another winger but again it probably depends on outgoings if Grady's still here at the end of the window, then probably say that you're all right. And it, well, I suppose it's, I'm just naming every position here, but a striker could be nice. But with Thomas Santin and Maggi, you could be all right until until the winter, and then hopefully you got DK back, and then you got three choices there, so you, you should be fine. So probably fullback, um, central midfield, and and potentially centre back as well. Yeah, Joe seemed quite keen on a backup to Swift, Pete. If when you're talking central midfield, is uh, Joe was talking somebody who could fill in. As an eight slash ten, would that be the sort of midfielder you'd be looking at? Um, it wasn't what I was thinking off the top of my head. I was thinking more somebody like um, probably on the, the opposite end of the spectrum, like a six or an eight, where they can do the defensive work and they can be a bit box to box. But I wasn't really thinking of a ten. Um, I think when we got Sarmiento there, and and we're not playing a single traditional ten that are just going to stay central, you can kind of be a bit have a bit more freedom with who you play there. Um, like for example, if we could put Townsend in wing back, and then if he's going to come inside, then maybe you play somebody like Grady that's going to keep the width there as the the left forward 
left 10, whatever you want to call it. So, if, if he's still here, mate, which I think is a big, big if, Grady. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose it, it does depend on outgoings, but yeah, it wasn't what I was thinking initially. But again, if if Grady goes and maybe account a kind of 10 as, as the winger that I mentioned before, um, it's all, yeah, you know, the positions aren't aren't so aren't so set under cover, they kind of vary, don't they? So, yeah, I think it, it does definitely depend on, on who's still here come the end of the window. Absolutely. And we will find that out on the very next Albion analysis. We will be back. Um, unless, of course, there's a flurry of business when you, you never know. There might be an out of the blue pod, just as one came out of the blue this week with the transfer pod. There might be one before the end of the window. It all entirely depends on on what business Albion do or do not do if there's uh, that there was a lot of do's in there um but if there's not a great deal to to talk about then we will we'll mop it all up on the Huddersfield pod when we'll be back to find out whether or not Pete has found any sunshine because the uh, whilst we whilst we were talking there the uh, the rain was uh, thundering down on on Pete's accommodation whilst I'm I'm sat here with the back door open so uh, don't quite know what that's all about but uh, we hope we hope the weather finds you well pete and uh wish you safe travels for for the next week yeah hopefully mate it's not quite been sunny sunny spain yet so yeah i'll report back next time <laughs> uh, we look forward to it and uh we look forward to speaking to you again soon but until then thanks for listening and up the baggies Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.